5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis. Well, let's talk about federal politics for a little bit because the uh, the next three years are starting to look a little bit clearer in that the Albanese government is now in majority. They have, uh, with counting continuing in some of those very close seats, they've secured the numbers to govern in the lower house at least without the need of any of the independents, which is probably a good thing. Michael Packey, National Political Editor, Nine Radio on the line. G'day, Michael. How are you? G'day. I'm well. How are you, Matthew? All right, thank you. Recovered from the, the six weeks living out of a suitcase? Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, we're going to be in for a couple of, uh, you know, a few more busy weeks, I mm. think, while, uh, you know, you know, the Labor Party, you know, beds in its new ministerial team. Yeah. The opposition does the same thing with its shadow ministers. And then, we, you know, Parliament starts resuming and all, and it gets back to normal and business as usual, I suppose. Mm. Uh, but look, you know, it is interesting that uh, Labor does appear to have now secured the 76 seats. Uh, it looks as though the seat of McNamara in Victoria has fallen uh, to Labor. Um, you know, basically they've retained it. I think there was a, a fear that it could go green, but uh, that hasn't happened. And that means that, you know, essentially Anthony Albanese can govern uh, within his own right. He doesn't really need to rely on the independence. Of course, you know, he's going to probably have to have a relationship with some of the independents because, you know, anything can happen over the next three years. Yes. You know, someone could retire, resign, die, whatever. Yeah. Uh, anything can happen which could force a by-election and by-elections could be, you know, you don't know what could happen in a by-election. Yes. You know, the, the Labor Party may not hold on in a by-election or they may, or it could go to the Liberals or it could go to another independent. Mm-hmm. So, OK. But certainly he's going to have to have a relationship with the Greens to get anything through the upper house. Yeah, that's exactly right. So uh, in the Senate or the upper house, uh, Labor needs to deal with the Greens. Basically, the Greens have the balance of power in uh, the Senate. So obviously there's going to be some policy issues where, uh, you know, Labor and the Greens aren't quite on the, uh, the same page. And it's mainly to do with climate change and emission reduction. And that's obviously one of the key issues that's going to dominate uh, the next couple of years. Um, essentially, you've got Labor that's gone to the electorate saying that it's prepared to reduce emissions by about 43% over the next 10 years. And it hopes that by reducing emissions by 43% over the next decade, that will lead to net zero by 2050. Uh, but, you know, how is it going to reduce the emissions? What sort of policies are going to be put in place mm. to reduce these uh, emissions? Then you've got the Greens. They're saying, well, no, uh, emissions don't need to be reduced by 43%. Emissions need to be reduced by 60% or even more uh, over the next... (laughs) Yeah, well, essentially, eventually, that's what they want to see, but at least 60% over the next 10 years. Now, from 43% to 60% is quite a leap, Mm. and already... Uh, Anthony Albanese says he won't back that in. He's not going to back such a a steep reduction in emissions that the Greens are demanding. So it'll be interesting to see the way he's able to navigate these things through uh, the Senate, especially if he doesn't get uh, the Liberals and the Nationals on side. If he gets the Liberals and the Nationals on side, well, he doesn't really, you know, need uh, the Greens as much. But, you know, the Liberals and the Nationals, the coalition, they're now in opposition. They're not going to give too many free kicks to Anthony Albanese. No, well, that's going to be the, the other side of this is now Peter Dutton is in the chair and yep. he is from the right of the party. You would imagine yep. on climate he's probably going to be dragging the chain well, or, or maybe he won't. No, look, I thought that his press conference today was pretty interesting, Matt, mm. because what he said, like, when it comes to issues like climate change, 
he says that the, the party's going to take a sensible position. Yeah. So I, I thought that that was a little bit of a leeway that, you know, they do realise that they need to do something about this issue because that's why uh, so many Liberals lost their seats in Sydney and Melbourne in a lot of those city seats. And also in Perth, um, you know, went to a teal independent in the seat of Curtin. So, you know, you've got this huge crossbench now of about 15 or 16 uh, independents. And essentially, a lot of them have all taken Liberal Party seats. And one of the big key issues that these independents were campaigning on was that, you know, uh, that the Liberal Party or the coalition wasn't doing enough to deal with climate change. Now, essentially what Peter Dutton is saying today uh, in the press conference is that, they'll take a sensible approach to it. I think that the, you, I think to be fair, um, the coalition has started moving in the direction of needing to do something about climate change. One of the biggest moves that they made was signing on to net zero by 2050. Clearly, they need to do more to, you know, encourage the use of renewables uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and, uh, and other, and those sorts of mechanisms to try and, you know, hit net zero by 2050. And I think there is a realisation that the electorate has sent them a message, especially in those city seats, mm. which potentially is going to take them a while to get any of those city seats back. Because once they, they go to independence, and you've seen that in, that in South Australia, yes. the seat of Mayo <laughs> with Rebecca Sharkey, yeah. it was a Liberal-held seat. She's now held it for a couple of terms. So once those uh, independents are entrenched in a lot of these seats, mm. they're hard to dislodge. Uh, that's been the case here, going back to the the sixties with independents who have yeah. won seats, and uh, they they you know the, the the parties don't get them back till those independents retire, if then. So you know that's yeah. it's a long haul. All right, so so Peter Dutton's going to be very interesting, isn't he? I mean, we he, he he's sort of well, he's from the same faction, if you like, as Tony Abbott, mm. and we saw what he was like at mm. opposition leader. He was very, uh, in fact, he was probably one of our most effective in history yeah. opposition leaders, along with maybe Malcolm Fraser, who went to the next step and actually got the government sacked. But uh, mm. uh, is is Dutton likely to take a leaf out of there? I mean, I I take the point mm. as to what he said at his press conference today, yeah. but he's he's a bit of a mentor, isn't he? Yeah, he is. But I I think that Dutton's more pragmatic, and we've got to keep in mind. You know, I think Dutton has also seen the electorate shift. And I think that, that Dutton is a smart man, mm. and I think he's smart enough to know uh, that the electorate is shifting and that if he doesn't start shifting with the electorate or start shifting the Liberal Party with the electorate, well, then they're going to be consigned into opposition, you know, for quite some time. Yeah. I already think that, you know, Anthony Albanese and Labor are going to be in power for at least the next six years, mm. you know, because the Liberal Party has got so much to make up that I don't think it's going to be making up uh, much ground in 2025. It might win a couple of extra seats, but that's not going to be enough to uh, get them into power. And, uh, you know, if over the next three years Peter doesn't do well as the opposition leader, well, potentially uh, the Liberal Party will go backwards even more than it already has. So he knows, I think that he's pragmatic enough that he knows that he's got to make some, he's got to shift. And I think that we saw it, so we saw him today on climate change saying they'll take a sensible position on yeah. it. I thought that was code that they'll essentially back some of what Labor mm. wants to do in terms of reducing emissions. The other key thing that he said, Matt, in his press conference is that he's essentially prepared to back a federal independent corruption commission. So he's prepared to back a federal ICAC, an anti-corruption watchdog. It's something that um, 
his predecessor, Scott Morrison, dragged the chain on. Mm. I just think that today, Peter uh, Dutton realises that it's something that needs to happen. He knows the reality is that it's going to happen because it's something that Labor wants to do by the end of the year. The Greens will essentially back it in. The Independents will back it in. So he's come out today and saying, look, it's something that needs to happen. And, you know, the model that's been proposed by another independent, a Victorian, Helen Haynes, that's the model that should be adopted. So I thought that that was interesting that he's already saying, look, when it comes to corruption, watchdog, yeah, we're in. When it comes to climate change, we'll look at what is being proposed. But, you know... I think pragmatism is going to be the key here for him. Yeah, yeah, okay. Now, the Nationals have seen the writing on the wall as well, haven't they? And Barnaby Joyce, uh, yesterday's man. Yeah, look, I think that the the thing issue here is I think that the Coalition knew that they needed a reset. The bottom line is, okay, uh, Barnaby Joyce can argue that, you know, he, uh, you know, kept the 19 seats that... um, or the 21 seats, it should be, uh, that, the, the, that the Nationals contested over this election. And that's well and, well and good. And they've also now got an extra senator in the Northern Territory in Jacinta Price. So they've got 22 uh, members in uh, the National Party room. But in the end, I think that uh, there was a feeling that I got within National Party ranks that Barnaby had had his day. He'd been the Deputy Prime Minister now a couple of times. He managed to come back last year by getting rid of uh, Michael McCormack. Um, but the, the bottom line is he also became a drag on the Liberal Party, especially in those city seats. You know, you would hear often uh, constituents in those city seats, mm. in Sydney and Melbourne especially, saying uh, to, uh, you know, those Liberal members, well, we're not going to vote for you because if we vote for you, uh, potentially not only will Scott Morrison get in, but, you know, uh, the Deputy PM could end up still being Barnaby Joyce yeah. and we don't like Barnaby Joyce. Yeah. So the bottom line is that Barnaby Joyce, while he won those seats for the Nationals in the region, mm. he was a drag for the Liberal Party in the city seats. And when push comes to shove, whether we want to believe it or not, you know, the Nationals need the Liberals to govern That's and the it. Liberals need the Nationals to govern. They yeah. both need each other if they're, going to, uh, uh, if they're going to govern. So I think that the thinking was that uh, in the Nationals' party room that the party, the Nationals, need to move on. Uh, they need to refresh, rebrand, mm. so to speak, with a new leader. And I'd argue that someone like David Littleproud is fairly articulate. He's young. He's only in his mid-40s. Uh, he... Um, He's a Queenslander, which a regional Queenslander, which helps. But the most important thing about David Littleproud is this. The thing is, in his seat of Maranoa in Queensland, there's about three coal mines. Ah. So he understands the, uh, the need you know, to help the coal mines, but also he understands the need to transition. And this is something that David Littleproud will tell you. He'll say to you that in his electorate, there are three coal mines, but a lot of a lot of those coal mine workers are, are say to him, well, well, you know, when people stop buying our coal, well, what job is there going to be for us? Yeah. So he understands the importance that these coal mines need to transition, these workers need to transition to, you know, being renewable energy workers mm. and being able to have those skills in producing and manufacturing renewable energy products, whether it be, you know, solar solar. Or, or wind farms, or whatever the case may be. Mm. So that's what the important thing about David Littleproud being the new National Party leader is, is that he's in the regions, he's from Queensland, he understands the importance of the resources industry, but he's also uh, on the same page in understanding that 
the country needs to move towards this, uh, you know, renewable energy yeah. model. He is, he is reminiscent of a, a young John Anderson, isn't he? In the way you describe mm. him just a minute ago, a John Anderson who was National Party leader under John Howard when they came to power. Yeah. Very reminiscent yeah. of that, that sort of urbane, smart sort of dude from the country. I think you're right. Mm. I, I think that's a very good comparison um, to uh, John Anderson, and I think that David Little Proud is in that mould. Yeah. And I think, look, and I would argue that, you know, the, the, the coalition leadership team now probably fits the right balance. So on the Liberal side, you've got Peter Dutton, you know, from the right of the party, mm. but, you know, I think prepared to shift yeah. uh, on certain policy positions. His deputy is Susan Lee. She's more of a moderate you know, a female deputy as well. Um, and she, one of the things that she says that she's going to do is going to be going out into uh, the regions and into the suburbs and finding out why women have decided not to back the Liberal Party and what the party needs to do to win them back. And then, you know, on the national side, the junior coalition partner, you do have someone like David Littleproud leading them, you know, realising that, you know, climate change is an issue and does need to be dealt with. And then his de- deputy is a, a New South Wales senator, Perrin Davey, who's also a bit more moderate and understands what needs to be done and understands the changing needs of those farming and regional communities. Mm. So I would argue that the new coalition leadership team is good, whether it's enough to win them an election in three years remains to be seen. I doubt it, but I think it could get them closer. Okay. Now, I've got a couple of questions on the text line for you, and they're both related to Tanya Plibersek. When did she stop being deputy leader of the Labor Party? And is Richard Miles, who's there now, did he briefly hold that position some time ago? Uh, I think that deputy, uh, I think Tanya Plibersek stopped being deputy leader of the Labor Party in 2019 when they lost the election. Because mm. um, uh, she was, um, uh, I think she was uh, Bill Shorten's deputy. And then it was, um, it's been uh, Anthony Albanese and Richard Miles since uh, the 2019 election. So uh, Tanya Plibersek has held a senior role in that she's the shadow education minister. And you would assume uh, in a couple of days' time, she'll be sworn in as the education minister at a federal level. Yeah. Uh, assume that she'll continue holding on to that role. But she hasn't been the deputy leader of the, uh, the Labor Party since the last election. Uh, it's been Albanese and um, Miles, Miles in that role. Yeah, there we are. All right, good. Thank you, Pat. Great, great explanation as always. Appreciate your time. Go, go no and relax problem. now. Put your feet up. No, no problem. Good on you, Matt. <laughs> Good on you. Michael Packey there, who is National Political Editor, Nine Radio, having a look at the uh, the leadership changes. Uh, not unexpected in the, the Liberal Party, maybe a little bit in the National Party, although there was talk that uh, Barnaby was was finished after the election and uh, and he said, well, we haven't lost a seat. The party saw it differently. And, of course, the news tonight that the uh, the Labor Party, Labor government, will be able to govern in their own right in the House of Reps, having secured uh, enough seats to form a majority, just. And I don't know if any more seats are, are still in doubt. I don't think so. I think that was it. So they have made it to 76, which is the number they needed, and uh, and that's it. But I think Michael's quite right. The uh, The Prime Minister and his ministers will have very good relations with those independents because three years can be a long time in Parliament. Anything can happen. And if there's a need for a by-election and suddenly that majority disappears and it's a minority government, well, you need to get into bed with somebody and uh, they'll all line up for that. 5AA Nights with Matthew Pantelis.